I wonder if any of you have got caught up in the world of Wordle recently. If you don't know what Wordle is, it's an online game and every day you have to guess a five letter word. There, you can only play it once a day and there's only one word and everyone has the same word. You get six attempts to guess the word and you'll get little clues as to whether you've got the right letter in the right place or the right letter in the wrong place. Um, and it's, it's just a bit of fun in your day really. But I love the story of how it started. So there's this guy called Josh Wardle and he created the game for his girlfriend who liked word games. Um, and she enjoyed it and they shared it with their family WhatsApp group. And for a while they just played it in their family WhatsApp group. And they had fun with it and they shared what, um, who was first to get each word. And, and for a while they just kept it within the family. And then at some point they thought, no, this is too good. We've got to let this go to the whole world. So at the end of October, they just, they broke down that barrier of keeping it in the family and they, they let it go viral. And that it did. On the 1st of November, 90 people played Wordle. And now they reckon over 3 million people are playing it across the world each day, which is quite crazy, but fun. And I'm enjoying it. Um, and in our series in Acts, it's a bit of a turning point like that because it's only Jews who have become Christians so far, only Jews who've received the Holy Spirit. So it's been very much kept within the family. And this is a point where it's about to go viral. This is a point where all the barriers are broken down by God. Before we read the passage, I just want to share a wee bit of terminology with you that if you're new to church or new to reading the Bible, you might not understand. So, um, the Bible would talk about Jews and Gentiles. So the word Gentile just means somebody who isn't a Jew. Um, so Jesus was a Jew, all the disciples were Jews. That was kind of the family and like the Wordle family. And then every, the Gentiles were everybody out with. So when I'm talking about Jews and Gentiles, you'll know a bit what I mean. And there were strong differences between them. The Jews would have kept certain laws. They would have kept the Sabbath. They would have eaten food that was very different from what the Gentiles ate. Um, in the book of Leviticus, there was a set of rules of what the Jews were and weren't allowed to eat. And so they kept to that rules, th those rules and they didn't eat anything out with that. But the Gentiles would have eaten any kind of food. So the Jews would have seen them as being unclean. Um, they wouldn't have mixed at all. They wouldn't have dined together, been in each other's homes. And the thought of them coming together in a community of faith was unheard of. So um, that's kind of the history of where we're at. So let's read chapter 10 of Acts. It's quite a long passage I'm going to read, so um, bear with me. If you have a Bible, why don't you follow along? And we're starting off with a man called Cornelius. So Cornelius was not a Jew, he was a Gentile and he was a Roman. Okay, so Acts chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and pray prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He said. The Lord, the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. 
He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Then the angel who spoke to him had gone, sorry, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the, Peter, the, the spirit said to him, Simon, Three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for, why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter ent entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him stand up, get up. Stand up, he said, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And then at that point, Peter tells them all about what Jesus did. So we're going to fast forward to verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. 
Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of them their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the, the, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. So then Peter explains the whole scenario to them, tells them what happened, tells them about his vision and how he went to Cornelius and how the Holy Spirit fell on them. So then we'll fast forward. Well done for staying with me here. It's a long reading to verse 18 of chapter 11. And this is what the Jews in Jerusalem said. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So it's quite a lot quite a long story with a lot of stuff going on and I'd urge you to spend some time reading it for yourself especially the bits that I fast forwarded um, but I'm just going to do a wee quick recap because there are a few different elements and things going on so uh, just so we get the significance of what's happened we'll have a quick wee recap. So we start off with Cornelius he is a Roman centurion which means he's in charge of a hundred soldiers. Um, the Romans were not just Gentiles, so out with the Jewish family. They were the oppressors of the Jews and had been for many years. So um, in, in the eyes of the Jews, the Romans were very much the baddies. And he's living in Caesarea, which was a place that Rome built as their headquarters out with Rome. So it's kind of like Rome away, Rome away from Rome HQ. That is where um, Cornelius was living, which wasn't probably on Peter's holiday destination wish list. It'd be like the home of the baddies. But verse three tells us that Cornelius and his family were devout, they were God-fearing, he gave generously to the poor and he prayed regularly. So maybe he wasn't such a baddie after all. It says that he was God-fearing and that was a term that was used for people who were recognizing that God was the one true God, but they hadn't quite committed. So the Romans would have had lots of different gods and Cornelius is starting to think, okay, maybe there's one true God, but he wasn't ready to commit and convert to Judaism, which would be what he would be required to do. So he's kind of like leaning in towards God. An angel of the Lord speaks to him and says, Cornelius, and I just love that bit. And I don't know if you've picked up as we've been going through the series of Acts, but in the last chapter, in chapter nine, when God speaks to Saul, he says, Saul. And when he speaks to Ananias, he says, Ananias. And here we have him saying, Cornelius. And just as a wee thing for somebody out there, God knows your name and he knows you and he's created you for a purpose. So don't hide from him. God knows your name. So he says, Cornelius, and uh, then he gives them specific instructions to send for Peter. They're really quite specific, telling him who he's living with, his house by the sea, and go off to Joppa. So he sends for people to go and get Peter. Meanwhile, as they're approaching um, the town of Joppa, so we've got Caesarea, where uh, Cornelius is, and we've got Joppa, where Peter is. So meanwhile, you see God orchestrating the whole thing. Peter goes up on the roof to pray. 
And as he's praying, he falls into a trance and he sees this sheet come down from heaven and it's filled with all different types of creatures, both clean and unclean. And uh, it would have had things that Leviticus chapter 11 would have forbidden the Jews to eat. And he, Peter hears a voice saying, get up, kill and eat. And Peter says, surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. The poor guy had never had a bacon roll or tasted shellfish. But the voice calls to him and says, don't call something impure, which the Lord has made clean. And then this vision is repeated two more times. So three times in total, Peter gets this vision of the sheet coming down with the unclean animals. So as he's thinking about it, Cornelius's men arrive at the house and the Holy Spirit tells Peter, look, there's three guys at your door. I want you to go with, don't hesitate to go with them. Now, I'd just love to have seen Peter's face when he opens the door because God doesn't say to him there's three Gentiles at the door. He just says there's three men at the door. And so Peter goes down and he opens the door. It's almost a bit like a joke. You know, there's a Jew, a Gentile, um, a couple of Gentiles and a Roman. Um, it's like the start of a joke to me, but there's these three guys there. They've all got different backgrounds, nothing in common really. And um, Peter's, you can almost see the cogs in his brain starting to turn thinking, okay, the vision was about food, but God says, don't call anything impure that I have made clean. So maybe this isn't just about food. Maybe this is about people. So he does a rare unheard of thing and invites them into his home as his guests. The next day, they all set off for Cornelius's house. And when they get there, Cornelius has gathered a bunch of his friends and family to hear what Peter has said. And again, we see something completely unheard of, that Peter goes into the home of a Gentile. So that would have been completely taboo because there would have been unclean food, unclean food would have been prepared there. The utensils would have been unclean. Everything about that would have been unclean for a Jew. And yet Peter goes in. So already there's a transformation happening in Peter's heart. Peter tells them about Jesus and as he's speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles for the first time. And Peter and the people that he's brought along hears them praising God and speaking in tongues. And the Jews who had gone along with the Peter and Peter, they were just so astonished and they're like, what is going on? And Peter says, well, what's to stop us baptizing these people in the name of Jesus? Because the same thing that's happened to them with the Holy Spirit, to us that's happened to the Holy Spirit has now happened to them. So they baptize them in the name of Jesus. Then Peter goes back to Jerusalem and then he's totally criticized by the, the Jews there for going into the house of a Gentile. And Peter says, no, hang on, this is what happened. And he tells them everything. And then they say, um, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So it's just such a fantastic moment for the church where barriers are just removed. And um, I'm so thankful myself because I am not a Jew. I am a Gentile. So that moment for me means that I can have a relationship with Jesus and I can receive the Holy Spirit. So I'm so thankful. And I'm thankful for Peter and Cornelius' obedience in prayer because we see the common denominator here when God speaks to both of them is they're both in prayer. It's the same as the previous chapter when God speaks to Saul once he's been blinded and God speaks to Ananias. They're both praying and God speaks to them. 
And although God can speak to us at any point through any means, you saw Saul marching murderous threats on the way to Damascus in the last chapter, and God speaks to him. But if we want to be a people who are leaning in to hear what God is saying to us, I just want to encourage you to be a people of prayer. We can also learn from Peter and where he went to pray. He went up onto the roof, which was like an extra space in the house. It was away from all the hustle, bu hustle and bustle of the house, away from distractions. And uh, we've been on holiday to Spain a couple of times to the same house we've gone to. It's a really ancient house. It's very cool. And it's got a roof terrace. And I have loved going up there first thing in the morning with my Bible. You can't hear the distractions of what's going on in the house. And you can't see what's going on because of the, the terraced bit of the roof. And you can just spend time with God. And I could tell you what God spoke to me on both those holidays. Um, now, I realise that not everyone has a roof to go up on. And this is certainly, I don't try this at home. I don't want any, uh, anyone suing the church because they've fallen off their roof praying this week. Um, but we can all find somewhere that we can get away without any distractions. I was also reading this week about Susanna Wesley, who lived in the 18th century. She was the mother of 19 children. Sadly, nine of them died in, in infant, infancy, um, but she homeschooled them. And if you've been one who's experienced homeschooling in the last couple of years, then you will appreciate the patience that Susanna Wesley had. But for two hours every day, what she would do is she would take her Bible, she'd go to her favorite chair, and she'd put her apron over her head, and she'd spend time with the Lord, and her children knew not to disturb her. Some of you are going, wow, that sounds amazing. I don't think I could do that in my house. Um, but because of that time spent with the Lord, she was able to grow in her relationship with God. She knew her Bible inside out. She was able to teach everyone who came to her home, not just her children, about Jesus. And her children went on to do great things for God. So um, John Wesley is thought to have spoken to over a million people and shared the gospel with them. And Samuel Wesley wrote 6,000, over 6,000 hymns. Some of, them we, some of them we still sing to get today, um, And Can It Be? and Love Divine, All Love Excelling. We've also got him to thank for Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, but I'm sure her time spent with the Lord was just so precious and had an impact not on herself, uh, not only on herself, but on those that she was given the privilege of spending time with. I think praying is something that we all find difficult, myself included. And we can say we believe in the power of prayer and we can say we know that God speaks to us when we pray, but often it's something that's low down on our list of priorities. Um, and you might not have a roof that you can go on and you might not have an apron to put over your head, but I'm sure you could find somewhere and some space in your day to spend time alone with God. I also like the fact that it tells us that Peter was on the roof um, whilst his lunch was being prepared. And I wonder if he just thought to himself, oh, I've got some time when lunch is being prepared, I'll go on the roof and pray. I wonder what your answer would be. I've got some time whilst lunch is being prepared, I'll dot, dot, dot. I'll scroll on my phone, I'll play Wordle, I'll uh, watch the Winter Olympics, um, I'll have a little nap, I'll call a friend, Prayer often is something that's low down on our list of priorities. 
And yet it's something that makes such a difference in our lives and the place where God speaks to us. So I just want to throw out a challenge to you this week. Why don't you spend some time with God every day in prayer? Switch off your phone, get away from all the distractions and spend time listening to God. And I'd just love to hear of stories of what God has said to you in that time. Please do get in touch and let us know. And you, but you might be thinking, you know, Peter, super holy guy. He was one of Jesus' disciples. He was with Jesus for three years. He saw all these cool miracles. And even just last week, Dave was t talking um, to us about Acts chapter nine, where Peter, through, no, Jesus through Peter heals uh, a guy who's been paralyzed for eight years. And he raises a really super dead woman from the dead. And that's what Peter does. And so you're thinking, well, he's super holy. Of course, he's on the roof praying. But he's not so super holy that God still wasn't transforming him because what he says when he gets the vision, when, when Jesus shows him the vision of the sheep coming down and tells him to get up, kill and eat, he says, surely not, Lord. Or some translations say, no, Lord. And if you've read the Gospels, you might know that Peter had a bit of a habit of saying, no, Lord. When Jesus says that he's going to wash Peter's feet, he says, no, Lord. When um, Jesus in Matthew 16 tells the disciples that he must suffer and die and be raised to life, Peter takes him aside and says, never, Lord. And in this circumstance, he's saying no. And from each circumstance, we can see where Peter is coming from because he recognizes Jesus as being the Messiah. So he's saying, I never want the Messiah to wash my feet or I never want the Messiah to be killed and, um, and tortured or I never want to eat unclean food that, would, that wouldn't please you. But what Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 16 verse 23, when, when Peter's saying no to Jesus being crucified, he says, you do not have in mind the things of God. And that can be said for all of us, can't it? All of us have some area where we don't have in mind the things of God. And in this circumstance, Peter was very rigid in what he thought God wanted. And Jesus is just coming and transforming him slowly saying, well, it's not quite like that. Let me take your heart and shape it. And he's really kind and he gives Peter the vision two more times so that Peter is really clear, God is speaking to me here about this. He doesn't necessarily understand it all, but he knows God is speaking. I wonder what it takes for you to have your no Lord turned into a yes Lord. Because transformation with Jesus is a lifelong thing. And I often pray before I read my Bible, I often pray that God would give me a heart that's ready to be shaped, to be more like his. Because I know that my heart needs shaping. I know that there's things that I see like this and God wants me to go, well, no, it's not quite like that. And I know that there's plenty of times I have said no, Lord, in my life. Not even like Peter out of lack of understanding, but just no, I do not want to do that. Or no, I don't feel like I can do that. Or I don't have the skills to do that. But God has been kind with me and he has shown me on several occasions, sometimes and sometimes over a number of years, no, this is my heart. This is what I want you to have in mind. And from my experience, the more you say yes to God, even if it takes you a few times to say yes, 
he then builds your faith, builds your trust, builds your relationship with him, and it makes it easier to say yes. So I wonder, is there something just now that God is asking you to do and you're saying, no, Lord, whether it's through lack of understanding or whether it's through, I just do not want to do that. I wonder if we would ask God to give us soft hearts to be shaped, to be more like his. And finally, I just want us to have a wee look at the partnership between Cornelius and Peter. Because God sent an angel to speak to Cornelius. Surely the angel could have told him about Jesus, but he doesn't. He, he tells him to send for Peter. It was significant that he sent for Peter because Peter was the head of the church. And if Peter got this, if Peter understood what God was doing with the Gentiles, then that made that easier for the whole church. But we've seen partnerships developing through the Book of Acts. We saw um, the Ethiopian eunuch who was in the chariot, or he was reading the Book of Isaiah. He didn't understand it. He was leaning in towards God. His heart was being softened. And then Philip is brought alongside him and explains the things of Jesus. And then we see Saul, he's been blinded by God, his heart's softening towards Jesus, and God sends Ananias to explain the things of Jesus. And then in this chapter, we see Cornelius, he's leaning into God, he's praying and he's giving gifts to the poor, but he's not quite got the whole thing. And we see Peter being brought to Cornelius and the, he explains the things of Jesus. And there are people out there that God is speaking to, and he wants us to be the people who come and explain the things of Jesus. A couple of years ago, I was on a flight um, to Togo in West Africa with a group of Christians. Um, and we were flying from Paris and we stopped in Niger to uh, refuel and also loads and loads of people. The flight was full when we left Paris and loads of people got off in Niger. Must be, I think they do mining or something there. Anyway, there was hardly anybody left on this massive plane apart from us going to Togo. And uh, we got speaking to one of the air stewards as we were just sitting on the, on the runway waiting to refuel. And she was asking, why are you going to Togo? And we told her that we were a group of pastors and Christian leaders and we were going to see um, the work of Compassion, which is a child sponsorship programme, and see their work in Togo. And she said, that's really interesting because I used to go to church as a child, but it was just really strict and boring and I didn't like it. But the day before, she had been walking um, near her home in Paris and she'd come across a church and she said it had glass um, windows at the front so I could see in, I could see that people were genuinely full of joy and the songs that were coming out, the music that I could hear were really joyful and I thought that's not like my experience of God and she'd been thinking should I go and try out that church and so her heart had been softened the day before and then here's us on a Monday morning flying to Togo sitting on a on the runway in Niger and we are there to explain things of Jesus to her and encourage her to go to church. We don't know if she went, but I do feel like it was a divine appointment. There was a softening of the heart and then we were there to explain Jesus to her. So let's be people who are ready to explain things of Jesus to people. And let's ourselves have soft hearts. Let's be 
praying and asking God, who are you speaking to? Whose heart are you softening that you want me to explain things of Jesus to? It might be somebody that's come to your mind recently or somebody you've been thinking about or somebody you haven't seen for a while and you, or somebody at work or somebody in your family. Why don't you spend time when you're in that time praying that you're all gonna do on your roof with your apron over your head? Why don't you spend time asking God, who is it you want me to be explaining the things of Jesus to? Because the partnership between Cornelius and Peter led, led to the church going viral. It led to God's spirit being poured out on everyone. In Acts 2.17, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And that's what we see happening here. So you never know what your obedience in that situation might be when you say yes to God. It's when you say yes to explaining Jesus to someone. You don't know what that's going to lead to. So let's be people who are a praying people with soft hearts ready to partner with others.